another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And we've brought in a third co-host. Please welcome Sarah to the show. Hello, everyone. I feel like I need, like, theme music and crowd noise there. I would love that. Maybe, like, my walk-on music. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a Bruce Springsteen song. I'll give it some more thought. (laughs) You know, for years, I never had a good answer to what would your at-bat music be, and I finally found something I like that works for an at-bat, so. What would it be? I I will be using the Fruit Bat song from the cartoon Bluey. Um, which (gasps) sounds insane, but... No, not really. It is a cartoon about a uh, (laughs) six-year-old blue healer dog in Australia and her family and all the adventures they have. She has very active imagination. And in the Fruit Bat episode, she is having trouble going to sleep and she dreams about being a fruit bat. And this beautiful, inspirational music plays and it builds and it swells and I can perfectly picture how it would play in a baseball stadium. (laughs) I'm going to have to give this a listen, Tyranny. I do not know this music. I love but it so I much and you. it's weird. <laughs> well, because I never knew, like, what would be a good music? What's, like, inspire? You know, you want something that gets the crowd pumped, but also, like, doesn't raise your blood pressure because you're already doing a very stressful thing. So Very true. I was like, this is a piece of music that makes me feel inspired and powerful, but isn't, st- like, very chill all at the same time. So yes, that was my exciting discovery of the year 2020. And this will be airing in 2021. And I love that we did get the note, please don't make political remarks because we'll just talk about the politics of 1946, specifically the family in 1946, because today we're talking about Minute 49, which is all Millie getting Al into bed. And I love it. And it's funny, I come at it from a different... When I watch this minute, I see that Millie raised two kids. (laughs) The way she manhandles him into his pajamas and into bed, I see that Millie was a mother who at some point had to get children into pajamas and into bed. And and the way that she, like, flips him over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she knows if she, like, pulls pulls the hand, he'll flip his whole body over. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, this is not your first rodeo. Okay, got it. Because I think when I was watching this the whole way through, it was like, wait, has Al come to bed drunk a lot? Like, I was thinking like, oh, the the poor put upon women who had to get their drunk husbands to bed. But, uh, well, you get the feeling this isn't like the first time ever. It's not that Al was some crazy drunk. It's that she has put two kids and her husband to bed enough times that she knows, like, just let them fall. (laughs) And then arrange them. (laughs) And I love her when she's like, where's your hand? (laughs) I love that. I know. I want to try that. It's just so seamless. No, I, this scene is great. It's so funny. He's just, Frederick March is just so hilarious in this scene. And it's such a a dance between them as she's unbuttoning the shirt. He's pulling away. She's tucking him (laughs) in. He's pushing away. And. It's pretty remarkable acting. The give in her arms when he finally lets his knees down. Yeah. <laughs> you know every take he did that slightly differently so that she wouldn't know what to expect, like when to expect it. 
Yeah, and how she literally, she's trying to get him to lay down. She literally has to push his legs down so that he'll stay in bed. He's just so, so, so resistant to coming back to this life. Oh, and he doesn't even, and it's, he is humming. This is the scene where you can tell at this point he's humming among my souvenirs to himself. Badly and not well, but at some point I can make out the word souvenirs. And it's funny because in the dance, at Butch's, that was his, like, extending the hand to her. Almost saying, like, I know I'm being a drunk. And I know you are good. You know, like, I know we are good together and you are awesome. And I have not, I have been taking advantage of you this evening. And then, as soon as that song ends when they're dancing, is when he, like, doesn't recognize her. Mm. And he kind of, like, disassociates. And that, that you know, the whole, this night belongs to us sort of thing. Um, And this by singing that song, I think kind of replays that dynamic. Like they are, they are a good unit. They are sweet together, but there is also this part of him that is not her husband. <laughs> that's yeah, that's definitely true. And you see that again when after she pushes his legs down, right before she flips him over, she says, "If I remember correctly, you snore." And again, such a minor line. At first glance, you know, the scene could probably exist and work the same way without it. But that line really tells you two things. It reminds you of their intimacy, which we can assume because we know they were married. And it also reminds us at the same time how long they've been apart. You know, the just the wording it could have been like, oh, you snore when you sleep this way. Is, if I remember correctly, you snore when... It just shows us both of those things at the same time with that one line. And that's the only dialogue, I think, in this minute, right? Yeah. Well, other than when the women are together. Yeah, he's just muttering. Like, he's not... Yeah. He's not participating. (laughs) (laughs) And I love, like you said, the acting is amazing because I just rewatched the flip and Frederick March gives her nothing to work. Like, she does that. I was looking to see, like, maybe he, like, braces an elbow or something. Like, there are little things you could do to help the smaller-than-you person flip you. And it doesn't look like he does any of them. He just looks like dead weight. (laughs) yeah total he's just it's act yeah the acting is so perfect i've said this in the the previous minute but i always think when i watch this scene i always think about how this is his first night back and i always think that all of the months and years i suppose when he was away he probably dreamt of just this of coming home Mm -hmm. and sleeping in his own bed every single night and now he's finally there and he's so resistant you know between from the dog tags that we see in the last scene to you know her pushing down his legs to having to flip Mm -hmm. him over to put on his clothes wrestle him to put on his clothes he was so comfortable out at the bar as we saw before but now that he's back home he's that he doesn't feel like he belongs there he got taken home and put to bed he (laughs) yeah he was not a participant i am trying to think of what book it was and i think it was multiple where it talks about the man coming home and then sleeping on the floor next to their bed because they can't sleep on a regular mattress it just feels too weird. It, they have to like build back up to being able to sleep in the mattress on a mattress, I should say. Wow. And I know there's one that talks about like him tossing and turning and finally folding the blanket over in half and like laying down on that and then grabbing like the other blanket on top and just the pillow and being like, this is great. 
this is comfortable. I have, you know, like plenty Mm -hmm. of blankets to do this, but could not sleep on the bed. And I know, I mean, I've read so many novels set in various war times. I know I've I've seen that trope multiple places. The homecoming soldier who just can't sleep in a bed for a while Mm. has to like work up to sitting on it and then doing other things on it and then finally can fall asleep. But it just, it doesn't feel right to them. And I love the Stevenson's bed. I am obsessed with this. That headboard looks so comfy. Yes. And I I just, Peggy's room always felt too frilly for me. But this room, I adore. So the tool wallpaper isn't too frilly for you? <laughs> no, because it it's, doesn't have actual frills. It's flat. It's fine. Okay. The lamp's a just, bit I'm just much, checking. but... <laughs> well, you know. This whole apartment is just so gorgeous. Oh, I love this apartment yes. so much. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last week, but I will mention it again. The um, books by Dorothy Draper, who was an interior designer. She wrote, entertaining is fun, how to be a popular hostess, and decorating is fun. I don't remember the subtitle to that one. Uh, They came out during the war or just prior to war for America, but they were extremely popular in the early 40s. And this apartment is 100%. Like I saw, I saw that bed and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that bed is in, is in the book. (laughs) I had an aunt and uncle, like a great aunt and uncle who had that exact headboard, but they had two of them because I slept in twin beds, but you know, same idea. I know it was kind of cute and weird. Um, There are times where I'm like, you're crazy. And there are times where I'm like, no, I totally get it. You should have twin beds. Yes. What got me was the setup in The Crown when they show how Elizabeth has her own room and Philip has oh, his own yes. room, but they're the open right. in that middle so they can still talk to each other. And I was like, right. you know, <laughs> you know, I know you got a lot of rooms in these castles and like palaces and good for you, but. Oh, no. See, I thought that was genius. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are all these scenes where Elizabeth is sitting in bed reading, doing whatever the hell she wants. And I'm like, that looks wonderful. (laughs) And he can still come. It's not like they're cut off from each other. Oh, no, that's true. (laughs) No, there are there are nights where like I'm snoring and my husband wishes like we had at least separate beds or something or another room and vice versa. Like, you know, or he knew a trick. <laughs> yeah, because they're admittedly, I am a blanket hog. I could also like, I could get so deep into sleep that I won't know that I've rolled on top of you. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just suddenly show up and I'm like, hey, except I'm not really saying, hey, I'm just snoring in your face, maybe, <laughs> or just like drooling in your face or on you. I'm so sorry, lovey. I, I love you, Mike. But like. <laughs> I've never been flipped as far as I know. I'm fine. The one thing is when I fly, I sometimes snore. Oh. And when we flew to from to Hawaii from South Carolina, that night I thought Rachel was going to murder me because I was snoring so bad. I actually, I woke myself up. I like have a memory oh. of hearing myself snoring. <laughs> it was that loud. Oh my god. And we were in a hostel, so like everyone hated me. She's like, you have to move or something to make that stop. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, within 24 hours, it was fine. It's a real problem. You know, and honestly, if someone had a flip trick, that'd be great. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> flip me over. That's fine. He looks very comfy. And I think the next minute has even more of what you were saying. His like, his unconscious resistance. Because Al is not doing this on purpose to her. No. He doesn't even realize what's going on. (laughs) His subconscious is on full display. Yeah. (laughs) 
she gets him into bed and she tucks him in. It's so funny the contrast between like Fred looked dead to the world <laughs> and yet all of a sudden grabbed Peggy. Whereas Al is constantly singing and mumbling, but he is he's hugging his pillow. Like he's not even aware that she's there. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good point. And you see that well, in the next minute, there's a good example of that. Yeah. I, I don't want to, like, give this minute short shrift, but really, that only line of dialogue is, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's the only line of dialogue there. And I feel uh, like this particular scene kind of stretches into the next as well. I will say I'll give another shout out to Myrna Loy's voice, which is fabulous, especially when it cuts through like this and it's just the only thing. Mm. So I was going to ask, so you really saw this in your class where you got to study it. What other movies stood out from that, from that course? Or were there others that like you always now think of this movie when you see or talk about? Because I'm just trying to think like so many homecoming stories and books I've read and movies I've seen are flying through my mind right now. But Best Years of Our Lives was always known for like standing out for being the super realistic one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what made it so remarkable and so well received at the time. And the same now. I mean, it's really just a time capsule of this experience. In the class we also studied, again, it was really focused towards American dreaming and the concept of the American dream, which you absolutely see in this film. Um, You know, these men served their country and came home and now everything, you know, after fighting for this life, they find themselves completely uncomfortable within it. The other movies that we studied, we looked at movies like The Grapes of Wrath, Citizen Kane, uh, A Face in the Crowd, which I really, really recommend that I had never heard of before the course. Movies like Easy Rider, It Happened One Night, King Kong. But it was interesting. This was really, this and Casablanca were the only World War II related films that we had watched. Yeah, this definitely was, of all the films to look at from that era, I this was really the only one that focused on Homecoming. And it's so funny because... When you said American Dreaming, I realized like we're seeing, as you said, this is his first night back. This is probably a night that Al has dreamed of so many times. And I don't think anyone would would want to do this, but because they assume like, I'll go home and it will be great. And then when it isn't great, they don't know what to do. So they do what Al did. And not to get too crass, but it reminds me of the warning that has been somewhat whispered and passed along. Hey, everybody, the wedding night, you're probably just going to be really, really tired. (laughs) You'll probably be drunk (laughs) and you might just want to sleep. And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely fair to say that this, I'm sure this night was what neither of them had really imagined. But again, that's, you know, the only way for him to get into bed and to find any kind of comfort was to be really drunk and to really medicate himself into a coma so that he could sleep. Well, on that cheerful note. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's. No, don't be. Legit. I mean, that is what's happening. And as I point out, like, it's really sad, but like, this 
probably was super common. Like, it makes sense that they would have such trouble coming home and adjusting. It's just, the movie is so emotional. And even in these scenes, even in this minute that seems comical, it is so, so gut-wrenching. Yeah, and I'll be totally honest. The first time I watched this movie through for this project, I got none of that. I read the comedy part of it where, you know, he's resisting her putting on his pajamas. And isn't that funny? And she flips him because he's going to snore. But yeah. (laughs) And that's the beauty of the film, that there's every single scene, every single minute, there is something there for the taking. Even if there's only one line of dialogue. (laughs) Exactly. Amen. Well, I will say as we're wrapping up minute 49 unless people have more they wanted to talk about that Megan and I did a podcast together on the movie MASH which rarely has even one line at a time let alone <laughs> in a minute yeah. not always sometimes there were not always there were quiet minutes but um few and far between <laughs> we did them on MASH and we have also appeared on a couple of these multi-host projects before so if you want to hear us talk about fashion from the 19 19- 80s you oh, can yeah. listen to our minutes <laughs> that we did about the movie Into the Night which is a very different film than Best Years of Our Lives just a wee bit I will also give a quick plug for my new podcast which Megan I don't know if uh no your minutes would not have aired by now but I'm sure I will drag you on there as well I'm doing a movies by minute podcast on Close Encounters of the Third Kind Ooh, so that will be new as this is new uh, as this is airing actually by the time these minutes air we should be a good chunk into the movie but yeah if you look we call the podcast this means something so if you look that up (laughs) nice going really great and that's another one where yeah it's a long movie and there's something in every minute (laughs) just you know i've always seen that movie drunk I've never seen it sober. Are you saying Thanks, I college. should stock up before you come onto my pod onto <laughs> the show? Because I can say- do that. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> no, I'm just saying how I think I think of that movie is probably not how everyone else thinks of that movie. Hey, man, it was the 70s. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, that's what my dad would tell you, but yes. <laughs> So if you are looking for more of this podcast, you can look at the website, thebestminutes.com. You can search on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you found this one, find more. And there is social media. If you're on Facebook, the place to go is Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe. It's a group. And then on Twitter, the handle is at the best minutes. And we will be back tomorrow. Megan and I are hosting one more minute and the three of us will return to close out Millie and Al's first night. (laughs) I'm ready for it. (laughs) Hey, Joe. You better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.